Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to episode number 33 of the KDH podcast. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Mr. Brett Contreras. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, we've just spent the past five minutes kind of making sure the language barrier is not a thing being Scottish. Uh, but he's all good. I speak pretty clearly. So to start off, um, obviously a massive guest for the podcast. And I'd just like to say thank you very much for coming on, mate. I know that you're a very busy guy. I've learned a lot from you. And I know that that's why I wanted to get you on so much because I've read your book, uh, followed you, watched a lot of video content on YouTube, and I've picked up so many things. So we're going to have a very good con uh, conversation right now. So to start off, mate, what's your story and what are you doing right now, Brett? What, what, what's happening? Uh, well, so most people know me for my glute info. I call myself the glute guy. Um, and so uh, I think I became, started becoming obsessed with the glutes at like, 16 ish and i'm 44 now so for like 28 years i've been in the glutes the thing is back then you couldn't find much info on glutes you know no one talked about it the bodybuilders just had leg days no one ever talked about glutes it was just implied that you'd get nice glutes if you train legs hard um and I, and and I, I back then i never felt the glutes working that much with all the leg exercise you know I know squats and deads are supposed to be two of the best glute exercises. I just don't feel them when I do them. I do deadlifts. See, back, back then, you know, we're talking like the early, early 90s. Like, I didn't know, you know, we didn't have, the internet wasn't how it was now. And um, hell, I think it was just starting. I, I, you didn't have, no one, you know, no one of us had personal trainers. So you just look at a picture and like, you'd be like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do stiff leg deadlifts. And I'd be, Telling my friend, like, I feel these all in my back. And, you know, looking back, we were probably just like those YouTube fail videos, just like rounding like crazy, but we didn't know any better. You know, I remember, I still remember when I was 19 years old, I had 275 on the bar. So what is that, like 120 kgs or 130? Yeah, yeah. And like 125 kgs or something like that. And, and I was doing squats, but I was doing like quarter squats, you know, but I felt them in my legs a lot. But I couldn't go deep with that. And <clears throat> some big giant dude walks up. He's walking by me and he goes, Why don't you drop down to 135 and squat deep like a man? And I, I had the bar on my back. And I turned and looked at me. He didn't even look me in the eye. He just kept walking, but he was huge. He looked like the Terminator. <laughs> so I was like, I'm actually going to do what he says. So I, I dropped down to 135. That's like 60 kgs. And I actually squatted deep for the first time. And the next day, my glutes and adductors were so sore. And I was like, okay, this is how you're supposed to squat. But yeah, I didn't know any better. You didn't have trainers. You just kind of like read something in a magazine and went and tried it. So I was always wanting a better glute, a better way to build the glutes. You know, I was always trying out every glute exercise I could. And then in 2006, I stumbled upon, you know, I discovered the hip thrust. I was watching a UFC fight and I'm like, I should, uh, I should try to think of an exercise that builds this, the, the guy's being like mounted. He, he should be trying to buck his hips and escape. Maybe he's not bucking because he's weak. If he had more power in that position, maybe he could escape. I wonder if there's an exercise that could strengthen that. And then I thought of the barbell hip thrust and well, actually I thought of a different type of hip thrust. It wasn't until a couple of years later where we started using a barbell. Well, and a bench and just a standard bench. Yeah. Like then I used a glute ham developer, the rounded pad on it, put yeah. my feet up on the reverse hyper and I'd sink my hips way down deep. 
and get more range of motion. But anyway, um, so I quit. I was a teacher for six years, high school math teacher. Came up with that idea, quit teaching, opened up a gym. But I was always so busy training people, I couldn't popularize my methods because I was so tired every day of training people. So one day I decided to quit, you know, to quit just to really focus on social media. And it coincided with the, the housing market crash of like 2008. And I was like, okay, my, my gym went under, everyone closed down. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna start blogging and I'm gonna start social media. And I remember it was hard for me because I was like, man, all my friends are gonna be like, what the hell's Brett doing? He's blogging now. And what's he doing? Posting fitness tips on, on Facebook for and stuff. But I did it, joined Twitter, YouTube. Back then my, my camera, I had dropped my camera uh, you know, we didn't have camera phones back then. So it was just like, you, you had a camera, I dropped it and it, it screwed up the audio, the microphone. So it gave me a lisp. So yeah, I would talk like this, this, it, it said, I don't have a lisp, it just made it sound like I did, but you think just go buy a new camera. We didn't have the money. We just stuck with the camera you had, you know? So my first like year or two of YouTube videos, I have a lisp. <coughs> so <clears throat> then started social media and then really I, I was blogging like crazy so it's kind of getting known around the world but it wasn't until Instagram came out to where I really blew up and I didn't want to join Instagram my twin brother told me to join Instagram I'm like Joel I'm a I'm a businessman you know I'm not on social media to post <laughs> pictures of myself I'm here to make money and you know and spread my methods across the world how am I going to do that with just like pictures and little 15 second video clips. And he's like, just trust me, it's the wave of the future. And I was like, how? It's like Snapchat to me. Like I never do Snapchat. I'm like, I don't understand how Instagram can be the wave of the future. He goes, Brett, just trust me, just do it. We, we please just do it. And I don't know why I just was like, maybe he's right. I joined Instagram and uh, you know, I was one of the first strength coaches. Instagram had been around for a couple of years. You know, I remember joining and going, God, how do these, some of these women have like a million followers already? Um, yeah, like Jen Selter back then, she's the first woman who started doing belfies, like butt selfies. Yeah, she belfies, like 11, I've never heard that. Yeah, she was actually <laughs> like 11 million back then. I was like, how do you have 11 million followers? But anyway, I joined Instagram. I got so annoyed because Facebook changed their algorithms and I'm like, this isn't fun anymore. I used to get, you know, I'd post a blog, a link to my blog, blog post and It'd be like, I used to get 2000 likes and 500 shares. Now I'm getting, you know, 300 likes and 30 shares. It's not fun anymore. Yeah. So I quit Facebook, pretty much quit Twitter, pretty much quit blogging, pretty much quit YouTube. And I just focused everything on Instagram and I blew up. And I, I think like six months ago or so, I got a million followers and you know, and then my rise in popularity, my rise in income went up and that allows you to do more things. And so it's been nice getting that sort of, uh, you know, uh, kind of fame and everything, but I'm still the same. Like I live in a nice house, but I'm kind of still the same guy who buys his clothes off Amazon and drives this shitty truck that I've had for 10 years. I could care less about things like that. I really just want to continue spreading my methods, continue improving upon my methods and continuing learning more about glute training. So that means I need to keep publishing. I do have my PhD in sports science and I used to publish a lot. I've gotten away from that, 
and just stuck to being a trainer and be, being in the gym most of the day. But I'd like to go back to publishing more and doing experiments and we need to buy another uh, EMG instrument and get back to conducting experiments and publishing studies and things like that. But that's just hard work. People yeah, can, don't when can you I, read a training study, you don't realize how much work went into that. I think that's the thing as well. A lot of people don't, you go into business and you go, I want to do this, I want to do that. You're only one person and you, you can only focus your energy so much on one, one given thing at a time. And I think it's the same when people start off in their journeys, they're thinking to try and sprint before they can even crawl. And do you know what I mean? And it's, you need to make sure that you've, you've got your energy in the right places, but an amazing story to how you got to where you are now, mate. And um, a million followers, that's crazy on Instagram. Um, that's mad. But um, it's, it's interesting to hear as well when your brother was telling you to focus on it and you were like, nah, nah, not going to do that. And it's just, it's, it's funny when you hear people there at the boom, see like before you know, because you think what's going to be the next boom, what's going to be the next thing that allows folk to really create another platform. I know that TikTok blew up and stuff as well, but um it's amazing to see that and it's good to hear when people do amazing of it so yeah um and by the way let me interject let me interject with that uh snapchat came out and i was like i'm not gonna do that i think that's decreased after instagram started doing their stories but um twitter had this it started with a p anyway i didn't do that i didn't do a lot of things i never did and TikTok, I was like, you know, there are talks about Donald Trump getting rid of TikTok. So I'm like, I'm not going to start doing that. And I wish I would have now. But y- y- you always got to think like, yeah, what is the next thing? And if you can get it, be an early adopter, then you're set. But uh, it's, yeah. it's, that's just a lot of luck to that. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I, just... I, I was, you know what? I think about this all the time. I was also very lucky to have gotten into the fitness industry before all this now there's yeah. so many people out there. Before you had to write, you wanted to be popular in fitness, then you need to write for T-Nation. T-Nation.com yeah. was the website that all the top strength coaches wrote for. And it's not, T-Nation's not all that anymore. Uh, they used to be the best of the best. And then they switched to kind of like only caring about, you know, clickbait and like how many art clicks your articles are getting. And it makes me really upset because it used to be so special yeah, they make more, might make more money now, but it was bigger than that. It was, this was where all the ideas in the world came, came from. And the creme de la creme, any strength coach who was popular over the last couple of decades wrote for T Nation. And now I don't even know who writes for them anymore. They started, you know, they would change our articles. Like you'd submit an article and you'd, you'd see it posted and it would be all changed up. You're like, I didn't write that. <laughs> I remember uh, I wrote an article explaining why you're stronger deadlifting with a rounded back. Like, why do people round their backs? You're stronger for these reasons. But I was very clear, that's more dangerous. They changed the article title to a strong case for the round back deadlift. (laughs) This completely took what you've said and changed that around. I I was eaten alive. I was eaten alive. And I I wrote another article like, like kettlebells, heavy kettlebell swings are better than dynamic effort deadlifts because People were doing like Louis Simmons, like you know, they were doing dynamic effort deadlifts, explosive deadlifts with like you know between like fifty to sixty percent of one rep max deadlifts and doing them explosively. And I was doing two hundred three pound kettlebell swings, 
what is that like 97 kgs yeah and they're heavy as hell but you 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 end up using your hips through a more full range of motion yeah. with those things with the deadlifts you 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 have to shut down your it, they don't work the lockout because you, you you have too much speed going you have to slow it down well they changed the article title to are kettlebell swings better than deadlifts yeah like no who would say that yeah and like well this will get more clicks oh don't worry brett and i'd call in to complain they'd be like don't worry brett this is getting way more clicks and i'm like yeah it's getting clicks at my expense like they're they, they don't they're so effing stupid they don't realize you protect your authors you make them look good they would make us look bad so everyone quit writing for them yeah and it, it was sad because literally like I, I mean i remember growing up all the people that I admired, you know, it was like, first it was like, you know, Charles Poliquin, who I ended up hating, but uh, it was Poliquin. He was great back in the day. Uh, um, Ian King, I know he's in Australia somewhere. He was great. He came up with like all the terminology we use for program design, you know, knee dominant, hip dominant, you know, horizontal push, vertical push, horizontal pull, vertical pull. And like linear core and like you know, like basically your linear core and then your like lateral rotary core like the the way of designing programs uh, and, and you're like single leg and you're like he was so ahead of his time it was insane and no one even knows about him but yeah. he started he started that and then all the trends that became popular always started off you know it was like you, and you knew who was responsible for the th things it was like all right like. Uh, Paul Check made stability balls popular. Like, you know, it was like, you knew that, uh, you knew the West Side method. You knew it because not only would they interview Louie on the site, but they'd also have Dave Tate and Jim Wendler writing for T Nation who would, you know, write about his methods. You knew that Mike Boyle was stopped liking this back squat because he started having everyone do Bulgarian split squats or he called them rear foot elevated split squats. You knew that, uh, you know, when glute activation got popular, it was it was Eric Cressy and Mike Robertson talking about it, and then some other guys, you know, around the around the fitness industry were talking about it, you know, and, uh, uh, like Martin Rooney and 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 Mark Verstegen and Mike Boyle and people. Um, you knew that, you know, you knew that Juan Carlos Santana, uh, he, he, you know, he, he'd be like, anyone can get a good workout in. You don't have to baby people. Everyone can push a sled, um, and, and then like when I came out with my hip thrust, like that, that dispelling the glute myth article, I wrote, that's, that's when hip thrust blew up around the world. Uh, you knew that like uh, my, Ben Bruno took single leg training a bit further. <clears throat> Everyone loved doing lunges and step ups and Bulgarian split squats and pistols and things like that. But no one did them with like vests, <laughs> weighted vests and dumbbells and, you know, doing that much loading he and he came up with a lot of unique variations and it's like everyone knew where stuff came from now it's kind of like the wild wild west out there it really is you know? it's, everyone yeah. credited back then too like you you wrote an article you get credit and you also had to speak for like in the nsca or perform better you had to speak for one of those two to be like considered legitimate so yeah you better you better be you better not piss everyone off because if you start stealing people's stuff, you get a bad reputation. You're not going to be invited anywhere. Nowadays, it's like everyone steals content. No one credits anyone. It's like this new generation um, 
just comes in and just they see stuff they like they take it they pretend it's theirs i don't like it i don't like that aspect of it it's not it's not it doesn't it's not integrity it's not respectful it's not uh, you know you steal someone's sentence and that's plagiarism you steal yeah. a paragraph that's plagiarism now you have guys stealing people's entire careers and content and persona you know and playing it off like it's theirs and there's nothing wrong with it in their eyes because it's like to each their own <laughs> i'm gonna just take take this person's stuff and pretend it's mine it's just it, my point is it's changed a lot throughout the years but i am lucky to have gotten in during the teenation at its yeah, peak i was one of their top writers for a while and i still meet people to this day that are like dude i used to read your blog and i i knew you from the teenation days and I wish I missed those days. I wish, kind of wish things never changed. But I also am lucky that I get got in with Instagram before it was oversaturated. Yeah, I think now the the thing with it is, is because we are so well connected now. Everything's only a touch away. We've become a bit numb with all that access as well. And it's like, as you said, the information can be so like the the amount of people I see now that are like there's washed up celebrities selling things like ketones and all these fake fat loss things to make some money. And it's, it's now like, it's shocking that that's even happening. Like you think to yourself, how is this actually happening? And then you see someone that's selling their soul to the devil to sell a, a waist trainer that doesn't even work, but because they've got a million followers on Instagram, you know what I mean? They just don't know how to monetize things. And then they just sell their soul to the devil a bit. And it's a bit shit, but it is like, you're, it's good that you've been about since the very beginning. And I think one of the things to take away from that as well, Brett, is like the fitness industry is still very much still learning. It's like learning it's to walk properly. It's still in a very, very, very early stage. Like some of the stuff you were talking about there, um, just like that's only been in the past sort of 20, 30 years, that sort of stuff there. And before that, it's we're quite primitive. We're very new, like even, even nutrition, the past 10, 20 years, nutrition's came along leaps and bounds massively. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think you're very, uh, you're overly optimistic. Uh, so think of the term snake oil salesman. That's That's been around since like the 1800s. Look, I got this snake oil to sell you. It's going to cure everything. That That's, people are very vain. So that, so our industry there's the most opportunity in our industry above any other industry to sell you snake oil, meaning just yeah. products that don't really do what they're purported to do. You look at the supplement industry and how overhyped they are. And it's because people want a quick fix. Everybody looks in the mirror every day. Everybody looks, wishes they looked a little bit better. You know, when you look in the mirror, you're going, Oh, I wish this were a little different with my face. I wish my skin was better. I wish my, you know, you name it. I wish my, I had more muscles here. I wish I had less fat here. I wish this. And so then, you know, there's a product for everyone. There's, <laughs> you know, collagen is one that's so popular and the research is mixed on collagen. You know, if it really did what it said, I would be all over it. Uh, uh, but it's mixed. Uh, you know, even things like the, the, the pump, the nitric, the NO, like nitric oxide boosters that give you a better pump. That was like a $2 billion industry for those nitric, like you just tell someone this is going to help you get better pumps. And then people train differently to get pumps. And then they yeah. attribute it to the NO boosters, but there's research 
that came out yes as years ago but it was like the nitric oxide it wasn't the well the arginine in these products wasn't the limiting factor that that maximizes your nitric oxide in your body it's probably not helping you get a better pump it's probably all just in your head it's either the placebo effect or you're just training differently to get a better pump and then attributing it to the supplement but um I, I don't think it'll ever change. Like, I, I don't know. I, I was, that's why I was so mad at Facebook back in the day. Like I watched that social media, what is it, social network movie with Mark Zuckerberg. And he was always like, I stand for something bigger. I don't want to just have advertisements. Like I stand for something bigger. And, and yeah, you, you, in, in, in my opinion, he's one of the most deplorable humans ever because he sold out so bad, like the scientists had power. We had yeah. power, we could combat pseudoscience. We, it was so great that I had power as a scientist. You know how hard it is to rise up and battle the marketers? But we yeah. could write an article that was like, like I would did it on my blog. My blog was, I think I had the most popular blog out of any strength coach in the industry, uh, according to Alexa rankings. That's how we'd measure it. My Alexa ranking was through the roof. People loved reading my blog and I would call out, uh, pseudoscience and people and it went viral you leave the algorithms out of it and I go viral yeah keep your stupid algorithms away and people like my stuff my stuff gets shared and people like uh, things that bust pseudoscience now you now you change the algorithm on me you clip my wings I can't fly anymore I have no power guess who gets all the all the you know now the marketers you know they, they 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 get it to where you get no no reach so you have to buy your advertisement do you think any scientist is gonna promote an article they're not profiting from it yeah they, they literally are they cannot they're not gonna be like i'm gonna spend a thousand dollars and promote this article that's dispelling this misconception out there this this product that's being hyped that doesn't work they're yeah. not gonna do that but the company that's selling this product will dump 10,000 into it. So we get more misinformation spread than ever. And that's why I quit Facebook. That's also why I'm trying to grow my YouTube right now because I see Facebook owns Instagram and I'm starting to see similar trends like the back in the day with them changing the algorithms and the world is too stupid to know what's happening. They don't demand better. They don't go, you know what, we should, we need to demand that they don't do this. Cause they, I mean, hell, there was that. And I know there's two sides to every story but you, you see that that show on Netflix. Did you watch it? The social dilemma? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. I mean, I know there's, if I, <laughs> I know it's a documentary. I no, know I know. Data. I know. It did make me think like, wow, you know, they got a lot of power and I see conspiracy theories are so bad right now. I think that's also a product of like people being cooped up too much and with COVID yeah. and stuff, conspiracy theories. Uh, and just this polar polar is polarizing. Like, uh, you know, you're in Scotland. In America, it's just this divisiveness is so bad. It's a, no, like, it's the same. It's the same here. Like I think that it's that sort of herd mentality. One, like you see a lot of fake news right now. Like I seen today, I seen someone sharing an article about like something happening in Italy, and I just went and googled quickly what it was. It was incorrect, but it was getting shared because it was on Facebook, and it's just. Yeah. It's, but people will believe it. That's the scary thing. And it's the same with. Say, for example, what we're talking about there. I like that you're saying I was being optimistic as well. I like the snake oil example. The like Because, say, for example, someone idolizes a person and then they put it up and it gets loads of likes and loads of shares. 
that then fits the algorithm because like it's just one of those like it just it fits into it it's likable they know that people will just buy into it and that's what they, they're looking for that the, the basically i know that again i know i'm saying the same as you here i, I totally know that that social dilemmas are a documentary i'm not being one of these like people that watch a documentary on netflix and then it's like this is what i'm saying but yeah. it really highlights that facebook instagram social media are trying to control the user and once they have control of the user they can then monetize the user by controlling the adverts and that's that's basically and it in a nutshell and so you it's an echo chamber so it's yeah. like people are seeing this all you see is like if you're into this conspiracy theory or this religion or this type of fitness or this branch of whatever, then that's, that's, you get fed more of that. Yeah. So then you start thinking there's nothing, there's, you don't get exposed to the other side. So you're just, everyone's in this echo chamber, only reading things that confirm their biases. And then you've got this divisiveness and it's a big problem in the world right now. And I, yeah, it really, I just, really is. we need to do better. And, I don't know how the hell to change it. Cause on the one hand you can go, well, you know, I just mentioned, I think Mark Zuckerberg's deplorable, but uh, he, he's, he, he has a right to try to grow his business. Everyone has the, it's the American dream, right? Like you, you can, you can rise to the top. You can make as much money as possible. He's a business. He's trying to make the most money possible, but I look at myself, you think I couldn't, 10 times my income if I sold out and started a- Yeah, you could. You know, the cellulite, the anti-cellulite program. Yeah. You know, this this glute pro, I guarantee you that your glutes will grow this much or like, you know, you will get the butt, the exact butt you want. No, I'm always writing about genetics and telling yeah. the truth. Like not everyone can get this perfect butt. And, uh, you know, I could, I could, if I turn sleazy, I could 10 X my income. There's more to life than just maximizing your income. You yeah. know, you got to have integrity. And I know that, you know, I, 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 I know that for me, I, I get annoyed because like, yeah, people are like, when you, the, the whole point of social media, shouldn't it be to let the people decide what goes viral? What gets yeah. shared the most? Yeah. It should be up to the people. It's social, it's social network, like social media. It's, Shouldn't it be the people that decide, not some company determining algorithms? Like keep your stupid algorithms out of it and let the people decide. But yeah, that's that's just a shady endeavor in my opinion. And I, I I didn't care about it until it started negatively impacting me. And you start going like, why would they do this? Why like, I'm a you don't you want to reward scientific types like me who speak the truth instead of like, you know, just sleazy marketing types that say anything to make a buck. Yeah, no, I think that I think the most infamous guy in America, like I always see him getting absolutely bashed, is the guy that set, talks about your body type. I can't remember what his name is, but he always talks about it's like he always pops up on Facebook ads, but he's not been coming up. I think James Smith was like absolutely like <laughs> like just giving him giving him hell during that because I can't remember what he says, but he always came up saying, "Do you know what your body type is?" Is it Thomas something? Uh, I, I can't remember. He'd be like, do you know what your body type is? Is this the thing that's holding you back? This is it. You need to be eating this much carbs and this much. And people just sell their soul to the devil. Oh, yeah. Like training and eating for your, your what, body what, type. Are you talking about like your, whether you're an endomorph, an ectomorph? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I can't remember <laughs> the guy's name, man, but he's a dick. Yeah, no, I know. There's so many of them. Yeah. And they're always like charismatic, jacked dudes. Like they yeah. have good physiques. And they're very charismatic 
and they just they realize I can say what I can literally say whatever I want and people will believe it. In fact, I was looking at some guys. Uh, one of my my teammates here was like showing me this this person's uh, videos, and this person has a large following. And anyway, I was watching this video, and it was, he was just saying the like the reason why you are the reason why you're. Um, you're not losing weight is because you wait too long to eat breakfast. <laughs> like you need, like he didn't even address, he doesn't even understand calories in calories out. He's like, like basically you should be waking up first thing and eating breakfast and not waiting till noon to eat breakfast. And like, that's so wrong. That is so wrong. He doesn't even understand calories in calories out. That is, I don't think this guy ever even took a class but he's just very markety. He, he knows marketing. He, he knows all the latest TikTok trends and the trending things. And um, I was like, oh my God, he's going to get eaten alive in the comments. And I was just reading, like it had like 13,000 comments and I'm reading one comment after another from the, the naive public. That's like, oh my God, this is so me. I don't eat till noon. And I was like, I just was blown away. Like I thought for sure he was going to get and I was like, wow, you can literally just say anything. Say whatever you want, can't you? You really, really can. People will just believe you. And then they also can make it look more like they just delete they, any comments yeah. that, and block people who did any dissension. And then it makes it look like everyone's like, wow, thank you. You're amazing. And I know I can't believe like I can, like, like, I can go into I can go into my discovery tool and like Ayrshire, where I'm from, scroll through and there's still loads of folks selling like detox plans. 21 day fat loss plans, all these things. And I'm like, how is that still happening? Like, how are people not seeing, like, but again, it's the, the algorithm controls it. Like, I like to think that my content's good. And then I'm like, how is that not getting pushed out there more? Like, how is, like, this podcast is now at 34 episodes in total. There's so much good information in it. I've had people say to me, it's changed the way that they think about fitness, nutrition, but there's still people selling 10 day detox plans. How is that even happening? It's crazy. It'll ever change. I don't no. I think it's a never battle. And, and and it's exhausting being a scientist. It's exhausting because you, you the sec, like you just mentioned it. The second you think you're doing a good job and you're proud of yourself, then all of a sudden you look and you're like, wow, really? This is what I'm up against. And you see like <clears throat> this uh fascial blaster and you just rub it on your thigh and it gets rid of <laughs> your, your cellulite and in and, and it's selling a, a millions a day. And you're like, really people think that you just rub something across your leg and it gets rid of cellulite yep that's no, what we're doing it's crazy yeah. isn't it but, um, people would rather believe you know they'd rather believe I, I i can i can just take this put this cream on or take this supplement and it's going to totally change my physique instead of actually doing the hard work you know i think as you said brett it's like they're tapping into people's insecurities i recently i put a picture up the other day and i've been self-employed for four years and my eyes like it's not like i look dead old i'm only 27 but it was how much my face had aged in four years of being self-employed and i was going fuck me man i need to get me some wrinkle cream and i was like but i actually was sitting going no wonder people get old and they buy so much into all these different creams and things because it's like an it's a vulnerable you're, you're vulnerable and you're like i don't like this about myself and then it's quite easy for someone or there's someone that's got abs telling me that i need to cut out car carbohydrates so i'll do what they do and it, they don't realize that 
they, that person is actually just, I keep saying it, saying it, but selling their soul to the devil just to make a quick, quick bit of money. And that is, that is it at the end of the day. And it's a shame, but I think that the way that it's going from a lot of people that I follow on social media, like yourself with massive followings, a lot of other positive influencers, they're making really good progress in regards to showing people that it isn't about quick fixes, that it's about like simplicity, progressive overload, making sure that you build better habits, understanding, just understanding consistency. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's consistency. And I love talking to other coaches about it because they know it so well. They just know the power of showing up every day. Be consistent, lift weights three to five days a week, utilize progressive overload, utilize flexible dieting, you know, choose your, your, your macros, your calories according to your goals and stick with it and get something that's sustainable and keep plugging away at it week after week. And after a couple of years, guess what? You look great. That's it. That's it. There's no secret to it at all. And there you go, guys. That's the glute guys telling you, that's the glute guy telling you that <laughs> straight, from, straight from him. So um, moving on to the next point, mate, because we, again, we said it before it, like the structure of the podcast, I love going on in these rabbit holes. We are going into conspiracies and everything there. What's your, <laughs> what's your biggest achievement since you've been a coach? What's your, your biggest, your most proud moment since you've been in the industry? Wow. Ugh. You, you would, it's funny because I'm a very goal oriented person and um, you'd think it would be my PhD, right? Like the PhD, God, when, when I got that, I remember being like, I'm in a, I'm now in an elite crowd. Like yeah. I worked hard to get this, this get to the next level, but <clears throat> I didn't get choked up. You know, it was like every goal I reach, it's like anticlimactic because I think it's going to there's this thing I remember when I was like 24 years old I was a teacher I put it on my fridge it was actually I think it was 20 no I was still in college I was like 20 years old yeah it was about happiness and it talked about how everyone's always postponing their happiness you know I will be happy when I'll be happy when I finish high school I'll be happy when I finish college I'll be happy when I get a job I'll be happy when I retire I'll be happy when I pay off my mortgage I'll be happy when I have kids I'll be happy when my kids move out I'll be happy when I get married I'll be you know all these things and then you're never really happy life passes you by and you're never happy but that's me I'm always like I'll be happy when I get my PhD I'll be happy when I do this when I make a million dollars a year when I have all these followers when I do this and I will tell you the one of the, I, I <clears throat> try to be a manly guy and not cry and things like that. But when I was at my last event in Tulum, my client Carly, I don't know why I just have a special thing with my client Carly, because she's the strongest female hip thruster in the world. Uh, you what is see, she hip thrust? 775 pounds, like oh, legit man. lockout. Like that's raising the, so I have rules for my strong lifting competitions. Like when you hip thrust, you have to achieve a horizontal torso, and you have to have a, a neutral or posterior pelvic tilt. Not a, you can't have an anti, you can't be arched. Yeah. So there's two components to it. So that's a legit lockout, which is so rare, by the way. So rare for women to get 405 legit. Yeah. I see a lot of, oh, here's a 600 pound or here's a 500 pound hip thrust. And they're using a tiny little 10 inch bench and arching and not using proper form. The Carly legit locks out seven. 765 and then hit 775 but when she hit a hip thrust but also she also deadlifted this was the weirdest thing i wanted to make a like a youtube video on this and you can talk about the possible mechanisms 
like you know like peaking for powerlifting like you you taper and you yeah. you it might gain you like two to six percent boost on your strength by making sure you're very recovered well carly's best pull was 315 over the last prior two two to three months she had never pulled more than 315 yeah and yeah. i don't know what happened i don't know what happened but like she she had a I think she had 310 on the bar or something. And, you know, I was like, Carly, that's misloaded. You, you put 25s on, not 45s. It's misloaded. And um, I'm like, something's wrong. She's like, that's 310. I'm like, no, it's not. She's like, yes, it is. And I'm like, it's, look how fast that flew up. You don't, that's not what 310 looks like with you. And I look at it, it was properly loaded. Yeah. So I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, go, go for 335. You got this. <laughs> go for 355 she got it then 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 i said go for 365 she pulled it easily she could have hit 375 no problem well that's an if she would have hit the 375 which i know she would have that would be a 19% boost in strength it doesn't happen you don't get 20% yeah. stronger from a taper you gain 2 to 6% i'm always just blown away like that so anyway just watching my glute squat how much do they support each other yeah. And I don't know, it's just a nice feeling. We're all in Tulum, we're all competing. And she was so hyped up uh, that I have to like watch not getting choked up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. She nice pulled that weight and just the look on her face, like, like, oh my God, like I'm a freaking monster. Like I am a beast. I just pulled 365 pounds easy, like easy. And yeah. she put that weight down and I just saw this like, uh, like lat, like like crying, but also smiling. And then everyone hugging her. And I, I remember I had to look away because I was starting to get emotional. And I was like, I want to be like a stoic Russian that doesn't have emotion. <laughs> I away and I was like, quit being a little. <laughs> I looked at the wall and I was just like, flexed my muscles really hard. And then I, was <laughs> I think that's the coolest thing. I, I it was just a, a surreal trip. We're out in the jungle. The the, yeah. the 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 electricity went out like we had a lift in the with no air conditioning no electricity we're out in the middle of nowhere it's just us competing and everyone's showing off their because to me that's not just Carly lifting heavy it's the culmination of all the years of experience all my knowledge with applying it to all my athletes and I mean that's something pretty insignificant insignificant yeah. you would think but that's probably the coolest feeling I've had and. Yeah, one of the coolest feelings I've had in my entire life. No, it, like it's a bit. World. It's a bit of a tough question as well because, especially when you put it to your full life, and I think I, I'm always like things constantly inspire me. Things constantly. It's never just one thing, is it? But what you've just said there is like your the cultivation of all your experience into one part, and I think like as a good coach, like as a passionate coach, I was talking to my mum about this today actually, and I said I just want to be the type of coach that I never had. That's, that's basically, that's the type of coach that I want to be. And I think that you can't really, you can't, it's not trying to belittle anyone that's coached you. It's, it's just, you're saying that you're trying to gain every bit of knowledge. And I think that kind of sums that up there that you've been able to give someone that um, ability. And obviously it's them that does it, but it's just amazing what happens when you can actually do that for someone. So that's no, a really, really good point, Brett. And um, what's it been like having the social media presence and reputation that you have within the industry? Is, is there been pros and cons? What's that been like? What's 
One of the things I was amazed by, Brett, is the fact that you were able to message me back. You've got like a million followers. Like, how <laughs> do you go through all the message inbox? Well, okay, so a uh, few parts to that question. Number one, I remember uh, I have this friend, Natalia Melo. She she won like the second and third Miss Bikini Olympias back in like 2010 and 11 or something like that. She's Brazilian. And she she just moved to Texas a couple of years ago. But she, before that, she lived in Ireland with her uh, husband, who's a rugby, a pro rugby player. And I did a seminar in London and she came because she was living in Ireland and she came and watched this, attended the seminar. And when you're at these fitness things, you you're like a little celebrity. Like it's the only time of year I get to feel like I'm you know, when I go to these seminars, everyone's like, oh my God, oh my God, Brett Contreras. And so some lady came up to me and was like, can you sign my shirt? And I signed her shirt for her. And she's like, oh my God, thank you so much. And she walks away and Natalia goes to me, she's like, oh my God, don't you just hate this? Doesn't it make you, uh, you know, like, doesn't it, don't you just hate all the, and I'm like, no, absolutely not. I love it. Like I eat this up. I wish this was every day. <laughs> I get to feel like a, this is how celebrities feel. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. signing things and everyone's like, you know, can I get a picture? I eat that up. I mean, yeah. I th- yes, it would probably get old if it was three, if it was your whole life, 365, you yeah. could go outside. But how many people get to feel like, I don't take it for granted. There are times when I'm at these conferences and it's like, I wish my, I, I love it when I'm walking, I'm like walking with my family and someone comes up and they're like, oh my God, Brett Contreras, because I want my family to realize yeah. like, hey, this is a, he, he's a, your, your son is the real deal, you know, or like if you're with a, a girl you like and someone's like, oh my God, Brett Contreras, you're like, she must think I'm pretty cool right now. <laughs> I love all that. I eat it up. But I never want to be inaccessible, number one, and I never want to be cocky, like too cocky. I mean, how can you not be a little bit cocky? Sometimes I say some pretty cocky things, but uh, I, tr- I try to be humble. And you know how, to, how I humble myself is just being around my squad like my squad, <laughs> you, you know, the, the luster wears off quickly, you know, it can only last so long. So when you're around, like, a, like think about it. your family doesn't care if you're making $10 million a year, your family will be like, shut the hell up. And like, they don't care about that stuff. They'll put you in your place. They'll be like, yeah. oh God, who do you think you are? So that's what my squad does for me too. Like <clears throat> they rip on me, they joke around with me and they they keep me in my place you know you you see a lot of these people who get these crazy egos and turn weird a lot of fitness people turn weird by the way it's a problem in our industry and it's been a problem for a long time you have these gurus who are great and then they become something happens to them they become too big for their britches they become their ego gets to their head and i never want that to happen so I try to stay humble and I try to think like, I'm just a personal trainer. Like I'm a personal trainer and I, you know, I, 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 you know, I try to not buy this, these fancy vehicles and things like that. Like I don't want to start dressing all different being a totally different person. The reason why I like having a nice house is just so I can spoil my friends and squad and family members and stuff like that. I could literally live in a studio and be okay just give me a big bed and a nice TV and I'm fine. But uh, I don't, I don't, uh, <clears throat> I don't ever want to become inaccessible to where I used to have experts in the industry and they'd be like, you're doing it all wrong. Like 
you're doing it all wrong. I've been told that my whole life and as my, my whole fitness career, from the second I came out with my ebook back in the day when 2009 came around, all these guys emailed me to say, Brett, you're doing it wrong. Like you're, you should, uh, you shouldn't be giving away. This isn't a $30 product. This is like a hundred or $200 product. You should break it up into pieces. Your ebook's too much material. You're selling it for too, too little. Brett, you shouldn't be blogging so much. You shouldn't be giving out all your information. And I'm like, they're just threatened by me. <laughs> I got yeah. so much knowledge. I can't share enough of it. I can't get it all out. They're threatened. And, uh, and then, you know, Brett, you need to be more inaccessible. Who's going to go to your conferences? Who's going to buy your products when you're, you, they can just reach you. They can just DM you. And, um, and I, I took pride in that. I don't want to be like them. I don't want to be where like, I'm just some mythical guy who you have to go spend three grand to see their seminar. That's the only way you'll possibly meet them. I like being one of the, you know, like a people, the, yeah. the people champ, like I'm out there in, in the public mingling with everyone. And but then I also uh, have learned to be a better entrepreneur over the last couple of years. And I think that comes with confidence and with, and, and, and then like, you know, I was talking about Mark Zuckerberg earlier. Well, he went public. Now he has kind of an obligation to the shareholders and the investors like to, to maximize profits. Yeah. And I kind of feel the same way. I might have an opinion that's non-fitness related. I'm not going to share it. I'm not going to mingle my, like I owe it to my business partners to try to do right by them because they've tr trusted, put their trust in me. So I need to, you know, like <clears throat> my CEO, uh, Matt, my, you know, Glenn, 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 who wrote the book, Glute Lab with me, things like that. Like I owe it to them and all my workers, the workers that I've hired, I need to keep doing well so I can, you know, so I can keep raising your income each year and giving you raises and things like that. And you, you help me, you put your trust in me. I owe it to yeah. you. So I kind of see both sides, but I did never want to become inaccessible. Here's the problem. At what point can you not respond to DMS anymore? Yeah. It's like, I, I, I got to where in basically like a year ago, like January, 2020, I remember every single night I would start at about 10 PM and I would be writing till 2 a.m. Just DMs, four hours a day DMs on Instagram. I would, it would be 2 a.m. And all of a sudden I'd fall asleep on my couch and I'd, I'd wake up and my phone would be right here. And I'd wake back up and I'd, it's like, how are you going to ever have a relationship? Yeah. <laughs> how are you going to be a good spouse that way? How are you going to be good? How are you going to sleep well when you're so, and I'd feel guilty, like, shoot, I didn't go through all my DMs. Yeah, it got to be four hours a night and I would respond to like almost everyone every night. Yeah, and amazing. I loved it. I loved it. And it was, it's always been me. I've never had anyone else respond to my DMs. Because what if someone gives me like personal information that wasn't meant for someone else, you know? So anyway, uh, now it's too hard though. At some point you get a certain amount and you can't think about yeah. it. What if you had 10 million followers? You could not keep up with the DMs. So yeah, if, if 1% of them like messaged you. Right. Yeah. So I still, I remember, I think I counted one day and I got 1200 DMs. What? Yeah. But yeah. And I, and I, I mean, take, think about it. If it's, if you can do, and I'm so fast, you just see me. And if it's going to take too long to type, I, I send people voice memos or a video. Yeah. And I always pick like three people a day to surprise. They'll ask me some crap question, like <laughs> some complicated scientific question. And they're probably expecting no response and they wake up 
they wake up to because I do it in the middle of the night. They wake up to like a ten part video series from me, and I'm like, "Hey, Christian, that's a great question. So yeah. here's what the research says. There's one study showing this, <laughs> study showing this, but here's what I found in my experience as a trainer. So you know, you can form your own opinion. I lean this way, but I just wanted to, you know, tell the whole, give you the big picture, and let you decide on your own. And then they're yeah. like. You read their comment. The That's cool, man. Oh you my did. God. I did not expect you to reply and you just blew my mind. Thank you so much. You're such an amazing person, things like that. But I like doing that and surprising some people and doing nice, spontaneous things like yeah. that. Like, um, if, but I wish I could do more of that. But yeah, it sucks. It could, there's some bad aspects to being popular. You're, you're, you're in the spotlight and, uh, you know, rumors and things and, um, you know, when you're popular, people, it's like people used to always root for me when you're the underdog. When I was, had no followers and ever, I, my fan, my clients were my biggest fans. They were rooting for you. Then when you get to a certain level, nobody feels sorry for you. Nobody has any sympathy for you. When you get very popular and very, you get, achieve a certain level of fame, it just comes with the territory. People yeah, try, to, people try to burn you. People try to, you know, they get jealous of you and, uh, and you hear it from all celebrities, all athletes, all like actors. You know, they all say the same thing. Like there are people out to get them. And, you know, you do the slightest thing. It's all over social media. And I just had to kind of realize like. Yeah, it's what it is. Well, you have to still live your life and, be, yeah. you know, and, and hope that hope that, you know, you just have to hope that like there's enough people out there who who like see your day to day on your Instagram. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, he obviously isn't that bad of a person. I think so. it's it's amazing to hear that journey because even myself, obviously, you're someone that I've looked up to in the industry and learned so much from. And I was even nervous about coming on the call tonight. I was talking about it in my stories before this. I was laughing. And I was like, and I actually spoke to, I had Sam Briggs on the podcast as well. Samantha Briggs, the CrossFit athlete. And um, she, I was the same with her when she came on. And then I went, just a human being at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? It's not like it's, and then, and even when you were talking about when you started off in the industry, you had the same emotions I did. I was nervous about posting my first video. I was nervous about doing my first podcast because I thought folk were going to laugh at me. And it's so refreshing to hear you say the exact same thing. And it just shows you that it doesn't change. Like I'm still, yeah. And people get, people get so annoyed. It's like, uh, it's so funny to me. I'm still just a guy, one guy trying to like, yes, I've got a team, but half my day is like, okay, I got, uh, my Wi-Fi speeds aren't enough. I've got to try to figure out how to get better Wi-Fi speeds, but I live, I moved to Las Vegas and it's North Vegas and we don't get, like the main companies aren't servicing me. So I've got to, that's a problem I got to try to solve. And then like, there's all these little fires you got to put out and try yeah, to- Yeah, you just get your normal you know, life. You're just, just you living your normal life. life and, yeah. Yeah, I'm not like, uh, and then I'm like, good. I had people here this weekend Two, two of my squad members' birthdays, and I'm like, oh man, this place a pigsty. I, I gotta cl clean up. <laughs> what? I don't want to. I do not want to mop, but I'm like, I, I, I should sweep and mop. Before. What? What's um? In the, I know that's a bit off topic, but what's it like in Nevada right now in Las Vegas with COVID? You know, nothing's fun anymore. Like nothing's yeah. the same. It's like everywhere, even in states where things are more opened up, it's still not fun. I, I yeah. miss. I also feel like every company has just used it as an excuse to have the worst customer service. You know, I was on my, my squad. Some, some, I told you I had people over this weekend and some of my squad went out 
to the strip and walked all up and down the strip. It's all the, you know, Bellagio and the casinos and Little Caesars and all this. Sorry, Little Caesars, I'm mixing up my pizza places and my casinos. Caesars Palace. And then they asked me to order pizza. And um, I, so I looked up the pizza places and I called one of them. It's like 11 p.m. or midnight or something, but they don't close till one. But I just sat there on hold for like 30 minutes and I realized they're not going to answer their phone. <laughs> they're not even there. They don't even come on to say, hey, like you just sit on hold. And I had to then go order a, order two pizzas online. So, so when they got back, the pizzas would be there. But like, I feel like that's every company's like that right now. Like you, they have extra call times. And it's like, why? I have a company. Yeah. My customer hasn't gotten worse. Yeah. Uh, I'm not using COVID as an excuse to have the worst customer service. You know, my sister does my customer service and she works her butt off for BC Strengths. She's the customer service person. She gets back to people within a day, whether there's COVID or not. Yes, we've been affected by it. China is very delayed. They're overworked and things, but we've done the best with it. But nothing's the same. You, you, all these companies, you look them up. Oh, here are their hours. Then you go there, you go there, and they're closed. And it's like no one even updates their hours on Google, and no one answers their phones. And I can't be productive during these times. And I can't be. Um, I hate not being maximally productive. And I hate just everywhere is closed or at yeah. certain capacity. And it's just not as much fun. You had you actually world. you had COVID as well, and you had it pretty bad, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I will see. Oh, it's funny though it was the third worst illness I had of 2020. Yeah. Well, or in the, in, the, in a one year time frame, I were, I remember the first illness I got was uh, when I'm on the NSCA board of directors and I missed the, the NSCA coaches clinic uh, two, two, two ones ago. And I remember my friend, Brad, Brad Schoenfeld, who was also on the board of directors before me, he called me up and was like, like, you know, are you at the coaches conference? I'm like, I had to stay home. I'm so sick. And he was like, what? You don't miss that. And I'm like, oh, Brad, I am so sick. And he's like, you don't miss that. You, you show up. And then I was trying to tell him how sick I am. Well, he ended up speaking in, I think it was Denmark that weekend. And he got the same thing. Yeah. And he was so violently ill. And he called me up. He's like, man, I, I stand corrected. Like, you're right. I, I got the same exact thing. And this thing has wiped me out. I've never been so sick. And then in January, I got so sick. And I mean, I have asthma, but I don't ever barely ever have to use my nebulizer machine. Yeah. In January, I had, to, I had such bad asthma with this flu that I got. I had to carry, like, I went and visited my friend Paul Ravella in Tampa. I had to bring my machine in the suitcase <laughs> with me. They're like, I got stopped at security. Like, what is this thing? Like, it's for my asthma. But I had to carry, like, fly with that. And I had to use that for an extra month. So when I got COVID, I was very nervous. Like, was well, this going to, because uh, yeah, you know, I have asthma, is this going to, you know, do me in? But uh, the one thing that's different though, is when you know you have COVID, you don't, you don't mess around. You stay put. You don't go, you don't want to affect anyone else. So you don't go anywhere. Yeah. You, don't, you stay in your house. I remember like doing all this research and it's like, okay, I'm going to take vitamin D and zinc and, um, what else was it? There were three things I took. I can't remember the third thing, but then um, um, you, you, you sleep as much you sleep. And then it was like getting some sun can be good. Like, what do you think is optimal? 15 minutes. I'd be 
go out in the sun for 15 minutes, <laughs> sleep, rest, hydrate, drink, and you're doing everything right. And then you're going, man, I should do this with every time I get sick, I'd get yeah. well way quicker. Um, so, and then, and then it's funny because I'll hear people be like, you know, it's, it's no worse than the flu. Well, I just told you. So I got really, the third, the third day was scary. I was like, I remember I made a story and I was like, this is freaky. I was like, yeah. breathing. But then by the fourth day, I was well. Yeah. And it was weird. And then I was like reading up on this cytokine storm at day 12 and 13 is when people just die out of nowhere. And I'm going, great. What if I feel fine <laughs> and I die? I think, <laughs> I think the internet's quite dangerous when you're feeling like that. Like, I always laugh at um, I so many things. It's, COVID is so crazy because you have literally people who I have clients who, who, who had it. You know, they have the antibodies for it. They never knew they had it. Yeah. They literally have zero symptoms yeah. whatsoever. And people who die. And then everywhere in between. Yeah. It's just so crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? And, and then so you have people that are writing me like, oh my God, you survived COVID. You're the man. And I'm like, 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 like 25% <laughs> of people don't even get COVID. They don't even know they have it. Yeah, my friend had it you know? and he didn't know he had it either. Like he literally, no symptoms. And he, yeah. he, to this day, he even says, he was telling me, he was going, mate, I don't think I had it. And he was, he tested positive. He did have it. Like he was yeah. he had zero symptoms, but it's, it's crazy. Well, um, that's a, that's a, a mental year. Here's what's crazy about it, though. So, so you think you're fine. You wait your 12 days or whatever after you start. You're, 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 you start feeling better. You wait an extra 12 days, and then you can revisit society again. You know, I, I, I even got the test to show that my, you know, just to be sure because I don't want to. So I did my first workout back. Well, you don't lose so much strength. I was still strong. But I did a set on the Nautilus glute drive. I did 600 pounds for 12 reps. And all of a sudden, like, I, I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, I'm seeing double vision. Like, yeah. Christian, if I was looking at you right now, I'd see four eyeballs. Usually when that happens, you can like, shake off, like look and then, you know, this would not go away for like 40 minutes. I had double vision for 40 minutes. Yeah. One of my friends who had it uh, during the, the same exact time that I got it, uh, she and I were on a walk and all of a sudden she's like, she, and she thought, she thought she had no symptoms. She, she felt perfectly fine. We're on a walk. And all of a sudden she's like, I think I have to stop. I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm like, she had an Apple watch or whatever. It had her heart rate on. I go, what's your heart rate at? She's like, it's like, like 172 or something. What? I'm walking? <laughs> like what? That's like from, that's like what you're at when you're sprinting. Yeah. That's a few that's of my, a few of my crazy. clients have had it and, I think it's not necessary. Obviously, it can be unpleasant, but it's more the aftermath. I think that's not one of the things we've still not experienced yet because we're only at early stages of it where we'll start to learn more about how it affects. But I think four of my clients had it. And when they came back to training, they, they were very fatigued when they were training, like very, very fatigued. Yeah, so what I did, I, I, you know, I'm always scientific. Like, do you remember when I tore my glute? <laughs> yeah. For my glute in half, six weeks later, I was back to full strength. Yeah. Like, my, 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 my doctor called me Wolverine. My file's <laughs> name was Wolverine. I heal quickly, but I'm very scientific about my- Yeah, so you know the best way to go about and it. I come back from COVID and I had that double vision. I'm like, okay, that has more to do with like your metabolic system getting worked up. Yeah. I'm just going to do singles. Like I did 12 singles each workout for like a week and a half. And I love training that way. I would rest five minutes between sets. Yeah, like rest five minutes, 12 singles, It's that's 60 minutes, right? 12, like t t basically 12 sets an hour 
uh, 12 sets of one. So I would do like, yeah, one set of like sets of one was like say squats, sets of one with deadlifts, singles with hip thrusts even. And then even like hack squat machine, I did singles and then Nordic cam curls. I just do one rep. Just yeah. do one rep of Nordic cam curls and then rest, rest three to five minutes and do it again. And I was fine. Yeah. And I did that for a week and a half. And then I'm like, okay, I think now I've given my body some time. Now it's I'm going to start up the rep ranges and stuff. So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's good that you can get all scientific with things. What's it, see when you go into in a gym now and like, what's it like when you see like so many people hip thrusting? like it's now like the norm in a gym what's that like that's another aspect of the the changing of the era that i told you about you know during the teenation days like when when all right i remember uh this guy omar isif he's a popular youtuber he he interviewed me for a podcast he was at my place in san diego and he says he's like brett um does it doesn't it eat you alive all these people that steal your content and steal your stuff and I go, Omar, I could care less. Like, I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. Everyone knows who came up with the hip thrust. When they use my methods, it's just a testament to me because everyone knows I'm the father of all this stuff. Everyone knows I invented the hip thrust. So they're just using, they're just doing my system and it gives me more credibility. That was three years ago. And now three years later, I feel differently because now people don't know. It's a different world now. Yeah. No one gives credit. And I now when I try to say I invented the hip thrust, I'll get like five people nah. on my Instagram that'll be like, LMFAO, my dad was doing this in the 60s. Old time strongmen were doing this. This, <laughs> this lift has been around forever. I'm like, barbell hip thrust. They're like, yeah, we were doing barbell hip thrust in the whatever, 90s. I was doing it at my gym. I'm like, really? Do you have a single picture of you doing it or a single video clip? Because I will promote you as the rightful inventor. And they're like, no, we didn't have video cameras back then. So I say, okay, so you're telling me that I can type in right now and find a black and white picture of squats, deadlifts, Olympic lifts, dips, weighted chin-ups, bent over rows, military press, curls. But everyone has been doing hip thrusts the same amount of time and there's no pictures or videos of it. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, so just coincidentally, no one ever took a picture <laughs> of a hip thrust or a video of a hip thrust. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, you're, you're bizarre. It's, you're yeah. weird. You're just jealous. You're but, just jealous that he bothers the hell out of you for some reason. And I'm not like this. That's why it's so hard for me to understand it. I've dealt with so much um, men that, and he, he, that's the thing. People can't admit they're jealous. You're never going to be like, dude, you're so jealous of Brett Contreras. And they're like, yeah, it, it eats me alive. Men <laughs> but I, it's been happening since 2009 when I first started. I invented it in 2006. I didn't start writing and publicizing it until 2009. But all these blog posts, and you look at these guys and the only exercise they've ever written negatively about is the hip thrust. Yeah. It's like really the hip thrust, it helps so many people reach their goals. It's the safest heavy lower body lift if you know good form. Yeah. No one hurts themselves doing hip thrust if you know how to teach it. Nobody, nobody. Like in all my years, barely anyone ever hurts themselves. And it's always because they, it was like a programming error. You thought you could do heavy hip thrust seven days a week or something, or you had bad form, but it's never like intelligent training. But that's that the same isn't the, the same isn't true for squats and deadlifts and things like that. People all hurt themselves doing heavy squats and dead. So it's just a weird thing I've had to deal with. In fact, uh, one, one, one person came out and started accusing me of stuff. And he's like, Brett Contreras claims event the hip thrust. Here's a picture of an old time strongman doing it in the 
you know, the, the like 1900s. And, I, and it's a black and white picture. It's this guy has a mustache. He looks just like Arthur Saxon, okay? Yeah. It looks like Arthur Saxon. And I'm like, wait, what? And I, it took me three seconds to ascertain, like looking carefully at the picture. I'm like, wait. So I write the guy, go, uh, those are, um, that's a hammer strength bench. And the, the, the bumper plates, <laughs> pen lay on them. Those are pen lay plates. And that rack is a modern power rack. This like bolted all bolts and you know. Yeah. I'm like that. This and then you look and the, it was a sepia filter they used, and the shoes were blackened out to make it look like they were old style shoes. To get that's what you said. Like more people will come after you. The more like the more fame that you get, the more reputation. More people they just don't like. I, I don't know what it is. Some people just want other people to be someone else. They don't want them to be. The, you know, some people have got an, an ideology made up of what they want some people to think and it's just people are set in their ways and it's just i think I, that's in a way, like, Christian, could you imagine like being like i hate this guy so much i don't want him getting credit i'm gonna fabricate like did he hire this guy do you see some guy on the street that looks like <laughs> arthur Saxon? or did you make him grow a mustache did the guy have the mustache he saw this jack dude that kind of looks like an old-time strongman and he's like hey or was it that guy himself? Like, I'm gonna, I'm a frame. I'm gonna put a picture and act like I'm an old time strong man. That's crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. Who would do that? Who would go to that length? I know. Like, it's, my boggles my mind because I try to think of who spends their time doing that. But think of all the trolls on Instagram that just yeah spend their life on their keyboard talking trash. Like, and I'm going, do they do this all day long? Do they just go from one account to the next talking trash? I'm just, I feel very lucky that I pour my energy into like, I'm creating, I'm producing, I'm helping, yeah. I'm doing good things. Like I'm always busy and I'm training so many people. You know, I train like 50 people uh, and then online I work with thousands of people. And I'm so I'm always busy training, coming up with new methods, coming up with new, trying to produce social media content, you know, trying to create new products that'll help make glute training better. And I have an outlet. When you when you have that, you never waste time on social media bashing someone or yeah. being negative or getting involved in that stuff. Because well, I, I always give you good credit. Fun. Sorry, mate. Because you're like, this isn't fun. A, it's not fun getting sucked into some argument, and B, it's not a productive use of my time. If I spent two hours doing this, because whenever you're like get involved in some, you know. Uh, internet like or like social media debate you look the person up you're like i'm gonna size this guy up what's he all about you know you click on their profile oh really he only deadlifts <laughs> you know like he he can only deadlift 405 i pull 635 like uh uh or like you know you you want to like get you, you it's just a natural tendency yeah. to like look at the person it's just not healthy it's not productive it's not good yeah, I remember. I think it was uh, 2013. Yeah, this so this was like eight years ago. I remember a New Year's resolution. I said I'm not getting sucked into one social media debate. In all of the that was my New Year's resolution. But I remember I started it in November, a month earlier than New yeah. Year's, and my income shot up like like 50 percent that year because I didn't waste a single. I didn't get and yeah I, productivity. I and I remember guys would bait me. I'd be tagged on, I quit Facebook, but I'd be tagged on Facebook and it'd be like some power lifter that hates hip thrusts and 
I'd be tagged and I'd just go, I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to respond. I can't, I'm not going to get ganged up on by all these, this dude and his powerlifting friends. And my income shot up 50, 50% and my, my, my popularity increased. And I was just able to spread the popularity of the hip thrust way more so by ignoring these people because it's a time suck. Yeah. No, I know it's, I think that's what you have to do. Productivity is everything. And, and it's once you start, not, like, I think now, like how many, you just need to go on your phone and see how much time, how much screen time you spend on your phone. And I think that's when you have to start weighing up. Do I actually have the time to improve? But it's just looking to shave 1% off in so many different areas to get better in one area, do you know what I mean? Just to use your time a bit better. But don't worry, mate. See, when I'm in the gym and I'm telling all my clients about hip thrust, I always give you credibility. Thank you. I always make sure, mate. I always tell everyone. I've, I've passed on a lot of people to read your book as well, um, Glute Lab, um, because I picked up a lot of stuff in that as well. It's a very, very good book. So one of the, the there's been so many questions that I could ask you, Brett, but the last one I kind of want to finish off on is basically um, throughout your career, one of the things that you've, I remember reading it in your book as well, when you've been mentioning it today, you've had a lot of naysayers, like a lot of people telling you like what you were saying, like, obviously talking about things you were saying with your ebook when you were starting off with the hip thrust, people telling you that you didn't uh, invent the hip thrust. What would you say to someone if they were like at a point where they were trying to stick to their vision? What, what advice would you give to someone if they were like on a journey where they had a vision and they had a lot of naysayers? Because I think that's a really valuable point. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I remember even my own twin brother, I called him up the next day after I thought up the hip thrust. I remember I, I like not a very spiritual guy or anything like that, but I looked up into the sky, went out to my front yard and I looked up in the sky and I was like, from this point forward, my whole life changes. The yeah. rest of my life is going to be about getting this exercise popular. And it has been Yeah. like, who, who does it, how many people has that ever happened to where you have some moment in your life where you're like, this is a defining moment. You know, I guess for a lot of people, it's they have a kid and they're like, Oh my God, this, this kid is so special from this point forward. My life is now just about my kids or something, but I don't have kids. So to me, it's my, my, my legacy will be my, the hip thrust. That's, and all your baby. Methods. That's my baby. So um, my own twin brother, I called him up and I'm like, I just thought of a multi-million dollar idea. And he's like, shut up, you idiot. <laughs> You're being stupid. And I'm like, seriously, Joel, this is going to make, this is going to pan out over, over time. And, and it's funny. It's not the hip thrust that made me millions. It's getting popular and then having my booty by Brett subscription site and selling glute loops and, and, you know, selling glute products. That's what made me the millions, not the hip thrust. But uh, you know, when you're young and naive and you don't know a lot, this, this was this million dollar idea. And then my, when I wrote my ebook, my stepdad goes, why don't you get a real job? No one's going to buy your stupid <laughs> ebook. And he said that no one's gonna buy your stupid ebook. And I never even promoted that on social media. I never posted the link. It was just in the corner of my blog. I made eight grand off it the first month and then literally $3,000 a month off of it for like eight years, never promoting wow. it. It was just side income. And I finally took it off because it's so outdated. I look at it and I cringe because like every five years you should look at what you wrote and be like cringing at it because you yeah. should be much smarter if you're doing yeah. it right. Look back and be like, eh that's hard to read because you should be so much smarter because you should be studying a lot and your methods should evolve, you know, but yeah, my advice to that person would be, it's like, on the one hand, you should listen to some people like you don't want to, I hate when people are like, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. 
I don't care about other people's opinions. It's like, you should, like, you don't care at all. You should care a little bit. Like, yeah. didn't that make you like a sociopath or something? So like, <laughs> but on the other hand, if you know, people can't, like, I get a lot of advice from people who have never like, you know, they're not entrepreneurs. You know, I always fight with my, my, my dad all the time. He's like, he wants me to drive four miles down the road and, um, to get, to, he wants me to drive to Costco to get gas. Like, and I'm like, he wants me to drive 20 minutes away to get gas to save a little bit of money. And I'm like, you know, dad, this, this, that 20, that 20 minutes there and 20 minutes back, that's 40 minutes. I make X money per hour that defeats the purpose. And he's like, it's the principle. Like if he sees me hire yard workers, he gets mad. He's like, you should be doing this on your own, but he's not an entrepreneur. So no one's going to understand your vision like you. So you got to stay the course. And I mean, hell, literally every single person who succeeded, who ever made it big to all the top people in the world right now, the Elon Musk, the Steve Jobs, the Bill Gates, the, you know, all the people changing the world right now, they all got told the same thing. They all got told by some people in their life, like, you need to have better balance. You need to do this. You need to do this differently. And, uh, you know, they all got told the same thing. They had to block it out and ignore it. You got to have kind of tunnel vision. You got to have tunnel vision and like, yes, listen to people, but also stay the course because God, I look back, thank God I wasn't dissuaded. Yeah. I was mocked by so many people. I was bashed by so many people. I was, there's so many articles and posts written about me. And I, I just knew in my heart, like, these people are just jealous. Do a set of hip thrusts. Do a set of hip thrusts properly. And half the people are these dumb powerlifters who thought because they squat 500 and deadlift 650 that they can start out the hip thrust with 500 pounds. So they moved it half, half the range of motion and then hurt their back and then said it's a dumb exercise. When they should have started out with 135 for 20 reps, squeezing their glutes, they burn like crazy. I train these types doesn't matter how strong you are your glutes burn like crazy and you end yeah. up loving it you know and then little by little you build up in weight and you keep that same form and you keep reaching full hip extension and it helps it builds your glutes it helps with your squats and deadlifts but i just knew those people are either either haters or they did it wrong and they're just they didn't got trained properly so i ignored those blocked them out i remember one article went viral you can Google this article. Um, God, I forgot the name of it. But anyway, it was basically saying like hip thrusts um, are like ruining everyone's backs and also destroying the industry. And I'm like, it's all ma made up stuff. It's yeah. like, and he gives examples. 10, 100 of my clients did this, 70 of them this, 30 of this. I'm like, as a researcher, published research, every example you let ended on a, on the, on a 10 digit, like, uh, that doesn't happen. And like the probability of that happening is very low. This is made up stuff. And then talk, you, if you want to just bash any exercise, talk about shear forces on the spine because no one understands it. So just talk about shear forces. Like, you know, it gets the highest shear force out of any exercise in the industry, the deadlift. They're using shear forces to denounce the hip thrust, but the highest shear forces you get are from deadlifts. But let's, let's, not, let's not bash deadlifts. Let's just you know, it's just a smear campaign on the hip thrust and it was all made up and it was all fabricated and it was going and it was shared by half my friends in the industry who are now jealous of me. And I'm like, hip thrusts are ruining the industry, really? I think they're making it way better. But I just looked at it like, look, 
I could try to respond and make a response to this, or I could call up my friend BJ Godore, who worked for Men's Health at that time. I go, BJ, let's do something for Men's Health, and he's like, I'd love to. Let me, I'll come down to to Glute Lab. This when I was in Phoenix, we did a ten part series on on glutes, on glute training that reached so many more people. Yeah. Than than this article. So I get motivated when I get. When people bash me and people like do this, I get, how can I rise above? It yeah. motivates me to reach the next level. It's like, you want to say this? Okay. Now I'm like trying to, I'm like, want to do a documentary and stuff. Like, okay. All these people want to say, I didn't invent the hip thrust. I don't think they, they don't know anything about the industry. You're not a historian. You don't know anything. I have been reading everything since I was 15 years old, you yeah. know, reading every bodybuilding man. I'm a, I devour fitness and a consumer of fitness information. I'm gonna tell the whole story about how glute training used to be, how it's changed, how much better glutes have gotten since yeah. during that evolution. You can't deny the effect that the hip thrust has had on this industry yeah. and on glute development. Is that something that you want to do in the future? A documentary? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That'd be great. That's cool, man. That's I really saw the good. one on, did you watch the West Side one on Louis on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my. That was like gave me chills. It was yeah, so good. It was good. It was good. I've actually not watched the full thing, but I, d- I didn't realize that all the um they actually developed like using heavy loaded resistance bands through throughout the squat and stuff. Well, Louis didn't come up with that. He just popularized the hell out of it. Like yeah. he saw, he always saw things being done, and then he incorporated it into his system. That's what was so cool about. Yeah, I mean, I think Louis arguably you know top five most influential guys in our industry ever you know yeah and he 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 tried he cares about science he tried to read the soviet texts and stuff he doesn't have his phd or anything but he he has a scientific rationale but his methods influence me so much yeah i don't do linear periodization with my clients i don't have them spend weeks where they're only doing sets of 10 and sets of eight sets of six like they're always going heavy year round yeah, I learned that from him. I, I learned half my stuff through through him, you know. And you you take methods, and sometimes you you get real proud, like oh look at my system, and then you realize so much of it came from these other greats, you know. Yeah, no, I know there's, there's so much, and I think one of the things that I took from your book as well, Brett, was like uh, weight training, resistance training, physique development, fitness. It's not an exact science. It's like a it's like a art. It's like something that you're trying to develop in so many different ways. It's not like there is obviously science and principles, but it's not as exact as some people uh, think it is. But yeah, um, no, mate, to finish that off, that's been absolutely amazing to have you on, Brett. Um, and is there anything else you would like to add in? Any of the points we've talked over? Oh, yes, great questions, and we can always do another. I've got my clients ready to train here. They're oh, do you? Hiya. <laughs> so. We, we could ramble for three hours, but it'd be too long of a podcast. No, so, I know. And that's why know, I was like, I had a part two next year or something. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, no, thanks very much for coming on. And anyone that is listening in today, make sure you tag both me and Brett in the podcast to get the message out there more. There was so many things that I really wanted to go on and talk and talk about. But as you said, it's one of those things where we could do it. But definitely let's do it again next year. And if I do get out to the States, I'm definitely going to try and get to your gym as well. For a session. Definitely. No, thank thanks very much, guys, and I hope you've enjoyed.